Hello, everybody. It's time for what should be a very interesting, to use Lucas a Lucas Holmes' word, very, very interesting uh, AFL podcast. LJ and Red is here. Season three for us. And the, the home and away season's done, and it's now into the finals. Lots to talk about, including a fascinating All-Australian side. Um, but we'll get to that. Sports journalist with the Wimmera Mail down there in Western Victoria, Lucas James Holmes. Good evening, sir. Evening, David. Evening, ladies and gentlemen. Yes, more, <clears throat> excuse me, more off the field than on it uh, for this week, anyhow, being the uh, pre-finals by, but some pretty big news out of AFLW circles, David, too, that I'll get to you later that you may or may not have seen already. Let's go straight to it, Lucas. And yep. for you, you're in and among, uh, so just a little bit off topic for a second, but this is one of the biggest issues in football. Living yep. where you do and living in a football, the, the heartland of Australia, although South Australians would say otherwise. Do you think that the pre-finals buy is a chance to be moved to a pre-grand final buy? Or do you think in 2024 and beyond, the AFL uh, under Andrew Dillon will stick with that? What's the feeling you get and what are your thoughts on it? That, that's been more of a shift, I think, of late, and it's interesting too, and we'll get to it a little bit later on. The um, AFL have appointed full-time a new Executive General Manager of Football in uh, Laura Kane as well permanently this week. So that's definitely something that could get looked at, much like, and but but not as successfully, the movement of the of a grand final slot in terms of time and when it starts. That got looked at in the uh, in the recent future, got got stayed at the... at on the uh, day slot, the afternoon slot, excuse me, on on a Saturday afternoon. But with the appointment of Laura Kane, David, as the um, as the AFL <coughs> Executive General Manager of Football, excuse me, um, there could be potentially a scope there. From how I see it and from what um, we've spoken about, particularly the last two or three weeks, and particularly at this time of the year, the pre-finals white buy was brought in initially for, for clubs that were more or less for a lack of a better term, tanking um, this last game or last couple of games of the year to ensure that their players that may or may not be fully fit, which 99% of players aren't at this time of the year anyhow, that were, that were carrying bigger injury concerns and potentially trying to work their way into better uh, week one finals matchups, David. That's what, why it was initially brought in. But now we're seeing with the implementation of like of a eleven day, twelve day concussion stand down, um, it could potentially, and we saw it this week too, um, in the in the last round of the season. Um, but we may also see if someone gets concussed, David, in the preliminary final, it would cost them a grand final berth. I'm just thinking of how I'm going to form my response. Certainly, there are clubs right now, in particular one that you happen to be uh, um, part of, that are going to benefit enormously from a pre-final a pre-finals buy. Um, not so much Nick Dacos, who has a fracture, um, although he's ahead of schedule, but it's the All Australian. It's it, it's the main man, Darcy Moore, is is one person that's going to suit massively. I think it suits clubs with older players, and I do think it helped Geelong enormously last year. When that you know they've got so many of their players uh, who are past thirty, I think they will look at a pre-grand finals buy because it only two, suits two clubs, whereas the pre-finals buy may suit eight clubs. It's a fascinating one. Um, I like what the NFL do. I reckon that works. It would announce allow for a big build-up and so forth. Uh, the you threw in an interesting one there. Uh, the daytime grand final. 
I've heard uh, your former president, Eddie Maguire, on, on one of his shows talking with great passion about night and twilight grand finals. I must admit, uh, look, I'm an older bloke now. I, I must admit I like the idea of playing with a red football and playing in the daylight in on a lovely afternoon in late September in Melbourne. Um, that's sort of what I – that's my perspective on it, Lucas. Um, I, I like the day, but from what I understand – and. Eddie, I believe, has got a pretty decent point in relation to the amount of money, extra money that could be generated. Not that the AFL grand final generates a lot of money anyway, but it is, it's an interesting one, isn't it? Yeah, that's almost. It, it's basically the the basis of the argument, David. And at, at the moment, how we see it with the red football on, on in the afternoon is that it, in theory, should be the best conditions for the players in terms of no dew, nothing like that. So the football. Um, sh- should be played at the highest quality, enabling high scoring like we've seen um, in, in recent years as well. But what we saw um, with the with the evening grand final, David, a couple of years ago, um, when it was in Brisbane, I believe, was the explosion, and, the and explosion also that, of TV revenue. Sorry, that's right. Sorry, sorry, I shouldn't yeah. have interrupted. No, you're right. And you're also, right. The, and also the fact that the grand final at Optus Stadium, from my memory, was played at twilight in Perth, Perth time but yep. beamed into the East Coast at night. Does that sound like I've got that right, that it started yeah. it with, of course, Perth has the latest twilights of every, any Australian major city by a long way because it's so far west in its state. But yes, there is an explosion of revenue. You're right on there, Lucas, isn't there? When, they, when they've when they had consecutive grand finals at the Wollongabba and then at Optus. So. Yeah, so that's what I'll ultimately come down to, David, I think. Um, and as we all know, and as you mentioned in this article in front of me, when it comes to um, the the appointment of Laura Kane, um, I, football is is core business for the AFL. There being two different things: football being the sport, and the Australian Football League being the being the governing body. Um, that football is core business. So I don't think you can lead uh, read too much into that being it's the announcement of a new executive general manager of football. But if you if you read into it a little bit, um, that would not to do exactly with a nighttime grand final, but that could be a reason as to why it could be moved to an evening slot down the line. Yep. Yeah. Um, well, watch and see that, that. I actually think it's inevitable, despite our opinions. Round 23, some disappointing games, a couple of... 24, sorry. Some disappointing games, a couple of wimp performances, spineless, and I'll pull them out. One of them is in a minute. I'll read them through. And some fascinating football. Just fascinating results from my perspective. The first one was a gutless, spineless performance by Essendon. Three goals, 13 to a wounded Collingwood, 16-5. Parachuting Collingwood into the minor premiership. But this was, they've been a debacle in the last couple of weeks, Lucas James Holmes. They, sorry, we're allowed to have an opinion. And the Giants absolutely destroyed a team that could have played in the finals. And a half Half rat power, Collingwood. I'm sorry, that's what they were. Had destroyed them. They were just yep. spineless. Yeah. What was it? A cumulative 196 points, I think, give or take, um, over the last two rounds for the Bombers there. And and to be honest, David, yes, the first quarter was extremely poor. But when you look at it from a um, from a margin point of view, they more or less um, he- he- held tack with Collingwood for the last three quarters. Yes, you can say. Uh, they put the queue in their rack a little bit, which, to be honest, they can because they're trying to get uh, they're trying to get some key players through um, unscathed in, in, into the uh, into the finals, and that was shown by them subbing out Jamie Elliott um, 
in the second quarter, if not at half time. So you can say that Essendon's first quarter was poor. I agree with you there, but they held, they held track with them. But yeah, the last two or three weeks, particularly when they were shaping, and there's been quite a lot of uh, media fanfare about them. Can they make a rumble in the finals? And again, as we spoke about last week, David, that the best that we saw that we've seen it so far in the back half of the season, that game um, to Adelaide springs to mind under the roof at Docklands, where they kicked what seven, eight, not even nine goals in the first quarter and blew them out. Um, but they, 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 I reckon they, they might have kicked nine goals, two or nine goals, one in that game. I reckon. Yeah, but so that's that's their best, David. And I I wouldn't say well this wasn't their worst. <laughs> Round twenty three was their worst, but yeah, that goal uh, is too large at the moment. They'll get flogged in the off-season, particularly Stringer. Kane Corns has written a fascinating, scathing article um, today on the Age website about plays that he says have got to get serious. Aaron Norton and Jake Stringer have got called out, amongst others. Terran Thomas, for other reasons. But Stringer will not Stringer will want to be in the man shakes in the off-season, I'm telling you. Yeah, man shakes him. There's a link between one of those plays you just mentioned there, David, and Essendon that's come to light in the last couple of days. So that uh, could be an interesting one. Yeah, I, yeah, okay, it, correct. There's so much. Yep. It's almost impossible to keep up with it unless you're permanently doing There's so much happening in football <laughs> at the moment. From Adler, a good performance, 14-9 over Hawthorne, 8-8. Hawthorne showed a lot of promise this year, but then they do things like this. Um, from Adler's form in Melbourne this year was pretty good. There are questions about Justin Lomior, big ones, whether he'll stay. We'll come to the West Coast in a minute. Uh, I'm not sure if he'll stay. We'll have to wait and see. He's been there four years. North Melbourne did a very good job against the Suns and cost himself number one draft pick, I don't, if you don't mind, at Bell Reeve. 20 goals, 12 to 14, 13. Damien Hardwick can't get to Corrara quick enough for them. St Kilda showed that they are a dead set final eight side. They ground and ground. And remember, everybody, again, they've kept the Brisbane Lions to 72. And when we get when we do talk next week about the Giants and the St Kilda, it's going to be how can the Giants kick a winning score against St Kilda? Brisbane nine eighteen, St Kilda nine six, and a terrific run into the St Kilda's a good football side, and they're particularly a superb defensive side. The Western Bulldogs did what most people thought they would do when Geelong pulled half their side out, won sixteen eight eleven thirteen. They couldn't have done much better. First time in twenty years they've won at Cadinia Park. The Adelaide Crows, 17-21. Taylor Tex Walker with nine goals over the West Coast Eagle, 12-6. Um, going back to Nick Larkey from North Melbourne, nine goals. Amazing season from him. We'll come to him later. I shouldn't be remiss of me. But Adelaide got themselves a top three spot, the 13-16 over Richmond, 8-15. Good, solid win in Adelaide. Melbourne, a good, solid win over at accurate Sydney, 11-11 to 7-14. And putting the Swans eventually into eighth spot. And then the Giants, which I don't know of too many people. I know I did, um, but I'm a Giants fan. There's not too many that picked the Giants, and they won and won well and were impressive. And in fact, at one stage, had a home final on percentage. And then Carlton, I, from my memory when I was at footy on Sunday, kicked the last two goals Carlton, to get the, knock the Giants into seventh. Uh, Lucas, we'll go back up to the top. Uh, we've spoken about Edison and Collingwood. Your thoughts running through. We've got a lot to get through, but please run through some some of your points from the games of round 24 and please go sequentially. Yeah, again, um, both of you and I had football all weekend, so I think I only watched one full game or I only did watch one full game of footy on the weekend. So I'll, I'll do as best as I can here. But as you said, um, Fremantle, again, done most of the damage on the road. Um, some interesting, you spoke there about Justin Longmuir. Apparently there's been some rumblings in the media too about a trade 
uh, potentially for Sean Darcy, um, looking at one of the clubs in that game below as a potential target for one of those in North Melbourne. So maybe just keep half an eye out on that one. Um, there's is, been is, Sean, little... is Sean Darcy a Victorian? That I should have had in front of me, and I don't. Fremantle would be Fremantle would be crazy to let him go, uh, be, because um, there's potential rumble. Uh, well, Jackson too, and that uh, Todd Goldstein, if he doesn't play um, with North Melbourne next year, David could potentially be uh, in the red and black of Essendon. So um, there's there's that wow. uh, to keep an eye on as well. That's astonishing. I, I find it hard to believe he'd do that at the end of his career, but. Yeah, and, recruited and, from, and, sorry, the Soviet College um, and Geelong under 18. So, yes. So, Darcy's a Victorian. Okay, that puts yeah. a perspective on it. Uh, Brisbane, solid. And they've given they've got themselves in the spot to avoid leaving Brisbane until the grand final. If they win that final next week, they're going to be even money to make the grand final, I reckon, at worst. Yeah, you, you'd think so. And some injury clouds, too, over Port Adelaide at the moment. They may get a couple back. Um, in Lysette and Trent McKenzie, David, but Charlie Dixon, I'm um, still with that foot injury is the one to keep an eye on. But as you said, there's some killer, a great defensive performance. Just want to yes. touch on that. Not just want to touch on this North Melbourne Gold Coast, um, Gold Coast game in a little bit of in a little bit of detail. Actually, what was it? North Melbourne had lost what their last twenty 20. games in a row. Twenty games yep. in a row. Um, you could have quite easily. Um, from an Alistair Clarkson point of view, put the queue in the rack. No, no, we want to secure um, the uh, number one draft pick, and we, which will be Harley Reid, I think, at this stage. I think we all know um, that will be the case. But that shows how much drive it, uh, if they want. And they've got some talent in their list. You just spoke about Nick Larkey. We'll go into depth on him a little bit later on. I spoke about Taron Thomas. They've got, so they've got some talent there if he's still around. Um, Harry Sheasel won the NAB Rising Star, David, last night at the uh, Players and Coaches Association Awards. George Wardlow, uh, too, was right up there in the conversation early in the year. So they've got some young talent. Um, and when they and when their coach is there full-time, David, and if they potentially get some uh, some star power in the form of free agents and recruits, um, they, 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 they're definitely something. And as we've spoken about Gold Coast all year too, David, they've been competitive, haven't they, in, in cases. So Gold Coast aren't a bad side at all. And so to, for North Melbourne to come from, what, 28 points down midway through uh, the third term to get over the top by six goals. I think it's a pretty um, good feat and shows the mindset at the moment that Kangaroos have under under Alistair Clarkson. Uh, yep, agree. Uh, the Suns, the problem is with the Suns is that after their top six or seven, they fall away. And that's what's going to have to be built up. I think that, talking about the number one draft pick, I don't think the number one, I don't think Harley Reid will end up in Perth. I think the West Coast, Coast Coast will go shopping and try and get a really good deal. Uh, you know, a, a, a big draft pick deal, like like in the movie Draft Day, or like what they combine in some in America to to get some real talent across there, because that's what they need. Um, Footscray beat a half. The Western Bulldogs beat a half strength Geelong. They did their job, but they cost themselves a final. It's as simple as this: they cost themselves a final spot by that poor performance against the West Coast Eagles a week before. Taylor Walker will come there here in a minute. Unbelievable season from a thirty-three-year-old. And at 33 to get your first Australia, all Australian Blaze, you sort of go back and think, oh, to be honest with you, what could have been if Walker had been this this good consistently through his career? West Coast, for mine, on the last few weeks of the season, actually put up a yelp. And there are, there are some decent footballers there. Very sad to see Nick Nat Newey hardly being able to walk when you 
came on straight hands in the game. He's in a bad way. He can hardly walk the big boat. Um, Port Adelaide, as you said, got some injuries. Melbourne, a good performance over Sydney. Uh, I think Melbourne's, Mel- Melbourne and Collingwood, when we talk football next week, it's going to be fascinating to speak to Lucas. Uh, absolutely fascinating because we won't be able to do that on Thursday night. And I can't on Wednesday night. So I might, I'm giving everybody notice now it might be a Tuesday night podcast because I've got to work on Wednesday night. Um, and then my Giants have been nothing other than superb. A couple of blips, one against Sydney um, and one against Port Adelaide. But eight of their last 10 games, the Giants were three and seven and made the, made the eight. That is a remarkable performance. And I shouldn't talk too much. I'm biased. Lucas, the Giants have beat the Giants could actually do some damage in the finals. They actually are a real chance of beating St Kilda for, for one. They are, David. But when you look at this game specifically, and as you said there, broadly, eight of the last 10 games, Port Adelaide in Adelaide, I don't think um, many people would have had um, winning, winning that game. So I think that's, you lose some. Brisbane in Brisbane, Port, Port in Adelaide, I think you lose some. But when you look at this game specifically, yes, Carlton lost Patrick Cripps, David. I believe it was on the Friday. Um, uh, didn't play, but even bigger for the Giants, Sam Taylor pulled out um, even later in the piece. So when you look at those, um, I, I, I would argue at, at this current juncture that Sam Taylor is probably more important to the Giants than Patrick Cripps is uh, to Carlton at the moment with with their midfield depth and how they're playing at the moment. Um, okay, with, that, with that's sec- a big call yeah. for a guy who's coming off a Brownlow medal, but it may be right because Taylor's one of the best backmen in the competition. Yeah, and we've seen, yes, he he missed, what, six, seven games, David? But we saw from the back half, and I'm, I'm talking this year, I'm not talking more broadly because that, that, that would be quite silly to say. But the way that Taylor's played, uh, he missed out on an Australian blazer, but yeah, it wouldn't have been by much. Correct. And that left us with this ladder. And noting again, everybody, that the, the faux goal at the Adelaide Oval has completely changed eight. It's quite remarkable how much of a difference. You'll understand why in a minute. Okay, so top eight in order. Collingwood, Brisbane, Port, Melbourne. They play one another. Collingwood and Melbourne, we'll talk about that, that shortly. Brisbane and Port. Carlton, St Kilda, GWS, Sydney. That one decision, that one decision that is reversed puts the Adelaide Crows into the eight. It's as simple as that. Adelaide would have ended up on 48 with a massive percentage of 116.9, maybe. And Sydney would have ended up on 46 and, in fact, gone back to 10th. It is a huge mistake, Lucas. And honestly, that it cannot happen again. It, but look, that mistakes happen. I get it. I get it. But you're playing for sheep stations. That football club's bought themselves from back from a bad spot. Matthew Nix has got them back to playing very good football and to having respect again in, in those colours. Yeah. Your, and, th- and your, your thoughts, please. Oh, I've, I've gone on the soapbox enough. Yeah, and, and we, when we went through it in depth last week too, and yes, it, it, it's annoying, David, because the technology's there. And we went through, again, in depth last week, so you can go back and have a look, where we um, went back and forth for, uh, for quite a substantial period of time. But when the... Um, when the technology is there and they didn't utilise it, and and as I said last week, to the letter of the law, they were right in not doing so because it was actually ruled as a behind. If it, if it was ruled as a goal, David, they would have gone back and reviewed it because all goal are, are indeed reviewed, but because it was ruled as a behind on the ground, it wasn't gone back and reviewed. So that's why um, we're at the juncture we're at, but I don't think we'll see it again. 
Um, we've seen a couple even in the last week, David, check that aren't all that all that close just to make sure of it, which is the right thing to do. But, yeah, I think we, we'll see some streamlining, streamlining of the process, excuse me, and they were looking at trying to rush things through for the finals, which I haven't seen as yet. But, yeah, I, I don't think we'll see that again. No, and the best defensive side in the top eight, no surprise, St Kilda, 16-47 against. And the best attacking side is the Brisbane Lions, 21-80. The top four sides have got pretty good records. Port Adelaide's got, you can see how many close games they won. They've only got 112%. Um, It's fascinating. And for mine, the most dangerous side outside the top four is clearly Carlton. Clearly, for my mind. And they they go into the Collingwood-Melbourne section of the draw. So that will be fascinating. Oh, God, yes. Can you imagine Melbourne and Carlton in week two? <laughs> and, of course, Carlton get a fistful of finals at the MCG, which is also interesting. That's um, Before we go and look at the All-Australian, do you think it was an interesting decision not to play a final at Marvel? I'm, I'm astonished. We've been talking for weeks, and you agree with me when I said this, that Brisbane, I can't understand why Brisbane and Port Adelaide is not on the Friday night. It is beyond me. Yeah, and again, I think it goes to that slight discussion that we had earlier when it comes to business and ratings, David. It's what Carlton's first final since 2013. Um, so, and it's sold so that, out. To be, yeah. to be fair, it's sold out. Yeah, and so has Thursday, Thursday sold out the day before, and I think the Friday uh, sold out yesterday. So both games on the Thursday and Friday sold out. I think it comes back to that. Um, and speaking at finals venues, David, it's St Kilda's first Final hosted final at the MCG since 2010. So um, go figure on that one as well. But no, and that's the one game that should have been at Docklands. Yeah, I, I would have seen. I would have had the draw as Carlton and St Kilt, Carlton and Sydney as afternoon MCG with a red football, and then the Giants and St Kilda at Docklands at night under the roof with a yellow football on the Saturday, and Brisbane and Port Adelaide on the Friday, giving Brisbane and Port Adelaide. Um, a benefit going forward for finishing second and third. That's the way I would have done it. I don't run the game. I've just got an opinion. That's all. The All-Australian side has a stack of new debutants. There's just a fistful of them. I believe there's 12, one of whom, Lucas, and I, 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 I to commentate him, is the fact that he's, well, to commentate his club is remarkable. We didn't commentate him. This is the All-Australian side, everybody, in order. James Sisley, Hawthorne, Callum Wilkinson, Kilda, Tom Stewart, Geelong in the back line. The half-back line. Jack Sinclair, St Kilda, Darcy Moore, Collingwood, Dan Houston, Port Adelaide. The centre line, Errol Gould at Sydney, Marcus Bontempelli, vice-captain in the in the guts, and Josh Dacos on a wing. Connor Rossi, Port Adelaide, Taylor Walker, Adelaide, and Christian Petrarca, um, Melbourne, is a wicked half-forward line, followed up by this forward line of Charlie Cameron, Brisbane, Charlie Kernow, Carlton, and for the first time in his career, Toby Green, the captain of the All-Australian side. That is a remarkable... From a bloke that got Pogo for six weeks for touching an umpire a couple of years ago, what, what a recovery. The on-ballers, Tim Lillish, Western Bulldogs, clearly the best ruckman in the league. Zach Butters, Port Adelaide. And Nick Dacos has been chosen as the starting rover, which is fascinating. I would have chosen him, at, I would have put him in halfback flank. And the interchange is Jordan Dawson, Adelaide, who's got to be unlucky to be there. Nick Larkey, North Melbourne, not unlucky. Zach Merritt, Essendon, and Caleb Sarong, Freo. And I think that Caleb Sarong, Will clearly win a Brownlow medal in his time. He's that good a footballer. Uh, yeah, yes, there's some. There's always some people that are unlucky. The ones that come to mind quickly: Max Gorn, Melbourne; Tom Liberatore, the Western Bulldogs; Dustin Martin, Richmond. There's a fistful of them. Uh, Ballard from the Cent- 
from the Central Coast. I live in the Central Coast, from the Gold Coast. <laughs> yeah, yeah, good one, Redden. Um, but uh, Lucas, your thoughts? It's a very good side. Nick Dacos playing out of position is an interesting one. They've done that to fit in St Kilda and Houston. Um, I think Dacos is clearly a better halfback flanker than Houston. Houston's a great footballer. So I can't argue with Sinclair. He's been unreal. Nah. He's he's been under the radar the last couple of years, David. A, a second consecutive uh, uh, green and gold blaze for Jack Sinclair. But Dacos has played some time on the ball, David. I'm actually glad to see them actually pick two wingers too, which is uh, two uh, natural wingers, which is quite nice. Um, and one of them, one of whom, one of whom's a left-footed winger. Yeah, um, which they haven't done in quite a substantial amount of time. Not at least two of them. So I think it's a pretty um, a balanced side. Callum Wilkie is the one for me. Well worth there. I think Jacob Wetering is probably the other um, unlucky one, to be honest. If you if you look if you look at it from that way, but yeah, I I, I don't think you can argue too much of it. You, you've somehow got to narrow down a forty four player squad to twenty two. Dave, there's always going to be some uh, that miss out. And, and and again, on Green, fantastic achievement as you said there. Five six game suspension uh, back end of last uh, back end. Of of last season, uh, the season before into into twenty twenty two after that final at York Park, yeah, where we beat the Red and White Wood Ducks by a point. That's the game by a point, yeah. But to go with that, it's a fantastic achievement. My probably tipping on that was probably Bont and Pelly is the vice captain there as well. But you've got what one, two, three, just off the top of my head, th- four club captains in there with Sicily, Bont and Pelly, Moore and Green, just off the top of my head. So. Um, and Merritt would be the other one on the bench. So you've got they, they, I think there's and five. Dawson, and, and Dawson's the other one too, six. Right, yeah. So you've got six club captains in your 22, David. So that shows the amount of leadership we've got around the league at the moment. So great achievement for Green. But as you said there, 12 first-time All-Australian, David, and we've got a pair of brothers in there for the second time in the history. Um, 2007, Chad and Kane Corns made the All-Australian side, and we've got... Uh, Nick and Josh Dacos as brothers uh, in 2023. So it's a great achievement. And interestingly, I think a lot of people outside South Australia actually forget how good a footballer Chad Corns was. He yeah. was a he was a superb footballer, Chad Corns. So was his old man and his brother, despite the fact that he sometimes makes use of himself in the media, could actually play a bit as well. But Chad Corns was just an immense talent. So please go back and watch. If you've got a chance to watch Chad Corns' highlights, you will enjoy it. Louis, the, you've already mentioned some of these before. The Rising Star Award to the very talented Harry Sheasel from North Melbourne had a fantastic season in a club that struggled. Struggles, an understatement. Please go through the other awards that you'd like to discuss, including the AFL Player of the Year. Yeah, I've got, so, so I have the Coaches Association and the Player Association Awards last night too, David. Just run through them quickly and we can have some discussion if we like. Uh, player Association off the top. Uh, best first year player Harry Sheasel along to go along with excuse me the rising star uh, the players association most courageous Zach Butters uh, AFLPA best captain uh, Marcus Bontempelli um, AFLPA MVP also going the way of Marcus Bontempelli and and when you get to the coaches um, coaches awards David and the coaches association some um, some some players hold this in almost high regard if not more uh, than a Brownlow as well so. Some some achievements there as well. AFL Coaches Association Champion Player of the Year, uh, Zach, Zach Butters, 109 votes to Marcus Bontempelli's 102, and the AFL Coaches Association Best Young Player Nick Dacos, 129 votes back to Nick Martin with 50. And just quickly before we go to other subjects, the ESPN Brownlow Medal Final Medal Final Leaderboard. 
for mine, there are five players that could win the Browner medal. Noticing, noting that the sixth player on this list has been suspended and can't get it. Bontempelli finished on Marcus Bontempelli 31, Nick Dacos 30, Christian Petrarca 30, and he's got a lot of votes because of Clayton Oliver's injury. Jack Butters 29 and a half, who came home like a wet tail. And the, a previous Brownlow medals, Lock and Neil on 29. Lucas, I think they're the five. Who do, who do you like right now? Who do you think? I know you've been on Marcus. Do you think he'll win it? I think I, I think so. Um, I, I think he's been consistent enough all year. We saw Butters and Taranto, both of them for a period, go through an extreme um, amount of form. Taranto tapered off a little bit um, towards the back half, back third, say, the season. Um, Butters has been there, thereabouts, and so is kind of rosy. But, yeah, I think uh, Bontepelli for me. Um, Petrarca, probably your top two, just on the back of Dacos missing, what, the last four or five games. So that would be the top three for me, Bontempelli, Petrarca, and Nick Dacos. Yeah, I can't argue with that logic. I think that Butters is a real chance. I think that Errol Goulden will finish top eight. He's not in the top eight on this list. I think he will finish top eight. He's been sensational. Jordan Dawson also get a lot of votes. Uh, Butters finished the season superbly, but I think Butters could worm his way into the top three. I actually think Petrarca is going to win it. So there you go. So I'll go Petrarca from Bontempelli, then Butters and Dacos, and they might tie in there. So that that's who we've got, and that's all done now. The ESPN. I find that fascinating the way they do that. It's really interesting. Massive news, and I mean massive at the Essendon Football Club today, Lucas James Home. Darcy yeah. Parish, Darcy Parish, like top, um, tied up for half a decade. Yeah, big one. Um, Darcy Parish back and forth and trying to work his way to a contract with us, which he said, uh, for a long period of time, he wants to, wants to stay exactly the same, too. Um, as well, in recent weeks, with um. Uh, Mason Redmond turning his back on free agency and recommitting uh, to Essendon, David. But as you said there, uh, um, a long year, a long-term extension to the end of 2028, David. will be 31 at the at the time, so he'll be a one-club player, you would think, uh, for the rest of his career. And considering the amount of interest, but I think it was Geelong was probably the the main uh, that came out the main suitor for him. But yeah, like. Mason Redmond, as I said before, turning his back on free agency and signing a long-term deal with Essendon. And there was another major re-signing this week as well. Yeah, big one. Um, probably a little bit more under the radar, um, particularly uh, in, in this state where I'm at the moment, but not... But, but not, not, not north no. of the Murray River. It's not. It's a big, not at it's a big story, yeah. That, that, that's a big one. Hayden McLean, David, um, again, multi-year extension, four-year extension with Sydney um, to the end of 2027. Uh, was was picked up as a pre-season supplementary uh, selection in 2019, David. He's now played 51, 52 games, excuse me, after debuting in 2019. Key forward by trade and pinch hit in the ruck as well. And when when we've um we've been talking in recent weeks about Brody Grundy and Sydney potentially um being one of the suitors, it shows how much or shows how much Sydney are extremely interested in retaining their own talent or Grundy not prepared to go to Sydney, but yeah, big, big signing for the Swans, having to clean four years the end of 2027. I still think Grundy will end up in South Australia myself. Yeah, yeah. Carlton's Ed Kerno is pulling stumps, at, and, and and unfortunately Marcus Adams is as well, and Adams is a result of a health issues. Take us through the two retirements. Yeah, well, Kerno definitely this afternoon, if, Adam, if not Adams the day before. But yeah, Ed Kerno firstly, 
33 year 33 years old, David, 221 games as well um, after being drafted by Carlton back in 2010. So uh, one of their spiritual leaders of the club, he's played 17 games this year, David, four as the starting sub. But yeah, uh, made his AFL debut in 2011, was originally drafted uh, as, a, as a rookie by Adelaide. Uh, he joined Carlton in 2010 and has been played at all of his games there. So the spiritual leader, one of them at least with him and Sam Doherty, um, Kerno pulling up the stumps, as you said, there, playing his last full season of AFL football in 2023. Marcus Adams has been basically made to retire due to concussions. Yeah, and there's been, what, three or four of those already. Um, Paul Seedsman being one, Max Lynch being the other. Those are the ones at the top of my head at the moment. Paddy McCartan. McCartan is the other and probably the most high-profile one. But, yeah, key defender, um, Marcus Adams, again, he shouldn't compete in in contact sport. 73 games, Dave, for the 30-year-old across, across two clubs. Uh, 46 for the Brisbane Lions in recent years. 27 games as well for the Western Bulldogs. But, again, on based on advice from club from the club's medical team and AFL medical specialists, it's advised that Marcus Adams shouldn't compete in uh, contact sport ever again. That's very sad. You mentioned this earlier on, uh, and we've got a lot of other things to get through. So Laura Kane's been announced as the Executive General Manager of Football for the Australian Football League. Great news for Laura and for the league. Yeah, sure sure, sure is, David. One of, now one of the AFL's highest uh, senior, senior executives in, in the whole landscape. So Laura Kane coming on board uh, in a permanent capacity. She was the interim uh, executive football manager ever since Brad Scott left David to coach Essendon um, at the start of this season. So Kane's um, had it on an interim basis, but has been uh, upgraded to the full-time position, which is great to see. Also coming in at league level, David, is Josh uh, Mahoney after he left Essendon in the last two or three weeks. So he's uh, sit- sitting under uh, Kane there as well. And there's also going to be... Uh, an, another role in general manager of football performance uh, being uh, employed to in, in the not-too-distant future. So a, a little bit of a reshuffle or a, quite a big reshuffle when it comes to the top end of AFL House, David, with, of course, Andrew Dillon assuming this CEO role, uh, Laura Kane, the, uh, the executive general manager of football, and Josh Mahoney coming on board there as well. One of the women of football netball league, and one of these results is completely astonishing. The other looks like a fantastic game of football played at Alexander Oval. On a Saturday first, Southern Mallee have absolutely belted the tripe out of the Horsham Saints. Southern Mallee 16-10, Horsham 5-4, that game at Matoa. Louis, I'm astonished. When you told me that result, I'm not not necessarily the result, the actual result, but the scores are astonishing considering they finished two and three, not three and two. Yeah, a little bit. A little bit hard to judge this game, David, when you look at it broadly because in the regular season, again, 19's 18-round season, so you play each other twice. Both sides have blowout wins at their home venue, David. Southern Mallee won by about 85, 86 points at home in round four and then Southern Mallee, uh, sorry, excuse me, Horsham Saints won by about nine or ten goals uh, at Coghlan Park uh, later in the season. But Southern Mallee, extremely efficient, Inside inside the Ford 50, 16 goals, 10, David. They just put them to the sword. Um, couldn't really allow a younger Saints side back into it, but some some extremely talented players on both sides, Southern Mallee particularly, um, with some experience in there as well. So the Saints uh, have a second chance, though. They're up against uh, Dimbula, who came from 
they, they conceded eight goals, David, seven or eight goals in the first quarter. Uh, seven goals, too. I'm getting the facts right in front of me here at Alexandra Oval an hour on Sunday. And they came back over the reigning premiers in Minion Patawa to win by 10 points. So big performance for them. And they'd be looking to exact some revenge on the Saints, too, David. They matched up in round 15, and the, and the Saints got them by about eight or nine goals. So uh, it's going to be a great game there on uh, on Sunday. That's at Beulah Memorial Park, about an hour's north of Horsham. David, I'm going up to Anzac Park in Warwickmobile on Saturday. Uh, they're, they're all qualifying finals, David. So the winner of the undefeated Ararat and Southern Mallee Giants will go straight through to a grand final in a fortnight's time. Um, tell me, were there big, was there a big crowd at, at, at Little Matoa? Or was there a nice big crowd? Yeah, big, big crowd, big day there, obviously. Um, first game of netball starting at 9 o'clock. The senior, uh, and the seat reserve doesn't finish till about 4.30, uh, quarter to five. So it's a long day. Uh, footy starting at 9.20 and finishing uh, about 5 o'clock. So a long day. It was a long weekend for me. I think I did 32 or 33 hours across the weekend. So a uh, big one. But, yeah, great time of year, especially in this part of the world, day at finals. And as you said, being combined football and netball clubs, it's a it's a full day. People don't just go come, come yes. to and from their own games. They stay around for the whole day. And that's the biggest thing of in the difference of when you live up here or in and around here, when you get to the Murrumbidgee River, that's what happens is that it's a whole day and all these little places. And let's face it, Ararat's not little, but Matara is. Dimpoola's not a big place. Nil is it. Warak's not. They're all these little places. And the football and netball club are the social and cultural heart of the towns. And that's not an overstatement, is it? Let's dead set right. Yeah. Uh, Lucas. Yeah. So it's Ararat and Southern Mallee. That's at Anzac Park in Warraknabild. 20 past two on Saturday if you're, if you're interested. And then on the Sunday, same time, 20 past two, at Beulah, it's Horsham Saints and Dimbula. Lucas, Beulah, whose home ground is that, please? So that is the culmination. So Beulah and Hopeton were separate size, David, before they amalgamated into the Southern Mallee Giants. So, uh, so that's Southern Mallee's yeah. home ground, too. So I think I've asked one of before. One, one of two, yep. Same as Minute Mato, I've got two home grounds. Correct, yep. Quickly on to AFL Sydney before I go to Lucas and throw back to him if there's anything else he would like to speak about. Saturday, Premier Division men's was an extraordinary game of football. North Shore were home in hose and University of New South Wales came home with a wet sail and failed by two points. North Shore, 8-9. University of New South Wales, 5-5. Great game of football in Park. And honestly, two more minutes and it would have been really, I reckon the dogs might have got them. And then Sydney University led 4-6 to nothing in the first quarter. I'll say that again, 4-6 to nothing. And in the last three quarters, kept Sydney University to three goals, eight, and ended up winning 11-9 to 7-14. Just a remarkable comeback. So, Sydney University are Gonskis, and that sets up a preliminary final at Cambridge Oval this Saturday of the University of New South Wales versus Pennant Hills. And it's the third time, Lucas, they've played each other in six weeks with honours in the last six weeks at one all. That will be a fascinating afternoon. Yeah, it's going to be interesting too from what I've seen watching from afar now. A fairly, when you look at it more broadly, a fairly new look. Um, new University of New South Wales, East and Suburb side as well. With a, Of course, you've got your stalwarts in there. You've got your Kieran Emery's. You've got your Brandon Jacks. You've got your Brody Romanski's. Um, but some, some up-and-coming talent in there as well. And when you look at... Uh, Pennant Hills, it just, it just keeps on keeping on that strong forward line they have and some and your main vitalers, your Stephen Rays and your players like that around the ground. So it's a it's a very settled and a very experienced side that have played the large part together for a period of time. 
and that a lot of them are Pennant Hills juniors. And interestingly, Brandon Jack didn't play on Saturday, which was interesting. He was out for uh, he was out, which they knew. And of course, Mitch Connor, Max Getty's ineligible because the VFL's finished. Then into the women's quickly. Uh, East Coast 7-5 over minor premier UTS 3-4 and a dominant performance. Renee Tompkins and Abby Martin had a field day uh, amongst others. And then surprisingly for mine, I tipped Manly. Macquarie University jumped them and held on. Well, 7-6 Macquarie Uni to Manly 4-4. So Manly out in straight sets. And it's East Coast into the grand final. It's UTS and Macquarie University. That's this Saturday at Cambridge. So our broadcast games on KO specifically are Mac Uni and UTS, followed by the University of New South Wales and Pennant Hills. Lucas, you'll look at me with some surprise. I will. I want to speak to you later on because there's a name on that um, Mac, uh, Mac Uni Parramatta side that I didn't realise that, that had moved clubs. So I'll, uh, that's I'll exactly speak correct. To you that has, yeah. that has moved, moved <laughs> clubs early in the season, and that's why in the PPGs that she's a six point player and yes. played pretty well. Wasn't the best on the ground. Caitlin Reid was the ruck, but uh, yeah. uh, no, she was terrific. All right. Um, that goes through our agenda. Lucas, was there anything else you wanted to talk about this evening? Anything that's come up in the last little bit? Anything at all? Yeah, one thing, and it's dropped in the last couple of hours, David. As we've spoken about in the last couple of weeks, we might even just run through the uh, fixtures for round, excuse me, round one for the AFLW competition that's starting this weekend. David, but what a debut uh, from the Collingwood Footy Club. Ellery Morris has been named uh, to debut for the Pies this weekend, um, David, in round one of the AFLW competition. So uh, big news there. Um, again, opening the season, David, tomorrow night against Melbourne at, at Princess Park. So it's going to be a big occasion. Playing in black and white, that'll worry Lucas Holmes. And my understanding is, and I'm, sorry, I'm not being rude, I've just been very busy, that the, the, the Swans play the Giants at North Sydney Oval. Is that correct? Correct, yep, yep. It's a tiny ground. It's not very big, I'm telling you, but there'll be a big crowd there. It's a great place to watch what I had the pleasure of commentating some cricket there this year on behalf of the North Sydney Rear Club. So, uh, for, and also um, Plan B Regional Bash Finals as well. So, yeah, a couple of a couple of rivalries uh, games this weekend too. David Frio and West Coast also taking on each other. So, a, a big round one, David, of, of rivalries normally as well. It's the first time in, in the history of the AFLW, I believe, that Collingwood and Carlton haven't opened the season either. So, normally that those two, but yeah, it's Melbourne. And it's Collingwood for what twice for twice in the space of a week across the men's and women's competitions too, David. It'd be extremely interesting too. Uh, when you look at it, might have gone under the radar a bit, David. But when you look um, in recent years, the the winner of the AFL the, of the AFL the men's competitions minor premiership earned the McClellan Trophy, um, David, and that's been changed in the la- in the last two. Year- this will be the second year now. It's a it's a cumulative result of the AFLW and AFL competition. So the best the best place cumulatively across those two competitions will earn the McClellan Trophy as well. So the the, the way it looks in terms of form across last year and this year, it could be Bris it could be Brisbane, it could be Melbourne, or it could be Collingwood. When you look at it um, across the strength of both men's and women's programs, well, I actually think they should have standalone, but that's that's just me. That's fine. We thank you so much for your time. It's always wonderful listening to you talk. Enjoy your football at Biola and also at Rack this week. And you got another long weekend. So have I. It's lots and lots of footy on. We've got uh, yeah some grand. We're doing some um some of the lower grade grand finals on Facebook on Sunday, and then the prelims at Cambridge on Saturday. So looking forward to that very much. Enjoy your footy, mate. Thanks for your time. Appreciate it, David. Thank you.
Take care, everyone. Look after yourself and enjoy your footy both down in Victoria and, of course, up here. Take care. Bye-bye.